This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, Dan, let's move on to Inside House Hall. So you are there. You had a very interesting week covering the Bears. Big story in Chicago this week was the fate of Jalen Johnson, both on and off the field. On the field, dealing with the oblique injury was not on the injury report. It did compromise him on Sunday. He gave up the 44-yard reception to Tom Kennedy, Bryant College's uh, pride and joy. <laughs> um, and then – It was Troy Kennedy, wasn't it? Tim Kennedy? Uh, t- was Teddy it Kennedy? Tom Kennedy? No. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. You got me confused here. I got the I, – I know everything about the guy. He's a professional lacrosse player. I did my research. Yeah. Um, and then he – Jalen Johnson, that is, didn't speak to the media. Then he went on his radio show on The Score at 5 o'clock on Monday – and then he spoke to the media the next day, and he did almost contradict, not contradict, but he pushed back a little bit and said that it did affect him from the first play, yeah. which I think was an interesting you know, subtext to this. So you talked to Jalen Johnson on Thursday at House Hall. Where do you want to go with this? Because I think it raises a couple interesting issues about injuries, playing through pain, and also just the public responsibility of professional athletes. We can, we can go all those directions because I think this is the perfect forum to have this, this discussion because we've got, you know, we got inside information, we've got context, we can put things into perspective for people to get a better understanding of things. This, is, you know, this wasn't originally on our menu to talk about, but I think it was a, a necessity for us because we can have this conversation at a level that, that's enlightening for our audience, and so it's almost an obligation that we do so. Um, let's start, I guess, with the injury. Uh, and then we'll move on to the, just kind of the, the media back and forth, which I think is a fascinating discussion, you know, and, and it'll be interesting to have that. But I do think that Justin deserves, I'm sorry, Jalen deserves credit for gutting it out on Sunday, right? And, and, and telling the coaching staff he could play. And then even afterwards, uh, in acknowledging that it, he didn't play his best game, saying, I still feel like I did some things that helped us, right? And, and, and maybe there were some moments that I should have helped us more, but I'm always going to err on the side of, I'm going to put all my all I have out there and hopefully it, it can be beneficial. Uh, obviously, we know that it was appreciated by the coaching staff, even if Matt Eberflus was a little clumsy early in the week in, in expressing uh, the appreciation for, for Jalen gutting it out. Um, but he's also not in the injury report this week. Right. And so that's that tells you that that they expect him to be at 100 percent full strength. And it's very odd to have a guy that dealt with as much as he dealt with coming out of the Dolphins game, going into the, the Lions game. And now suddenly he's he's not on the injury report and he's full clear for Atlanta. So it'll be interesting to, to, to track his play Sunday because it'll 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 point us in a direction that we want to go. Well, the injury report he was not on did not really consider the fact that he when he spoke, he talked like somebody who was clearly injured. And yeah. if he, 
He ended the game playing 52 of 62 snaps. He missed those 10 snaps because of the oblique. Yep. Anybody that's familiar with covering oblique injuries or having one themselves knows it doesn't just re- get better in 48 hours. So I think this bears monitoring moving forward. I was, again, as I think I pointed out in a, in a previous pod, Matt Eberflus said that if the player's on the field, the expectation is that he's going to be able to perform maybe not up to 100%, but I think that the expectations don't change. Jalen, by acknowledging that he wasn't able to do that, I, I wonder I wonder what that, if it's, if it's an issue at all, Dan, moving forward, because he's a veteran. He's one of the best defensive players. This is not, I think, something that you want to become or, or bubble into something bigger than it should be if you're Matt Eberflus. I certainly think if you're Jalen Johnson, you want to be respected to the yeah. point where – if you're hurt, you want that to be considered. You'd like to have your coach have your back publicly. Right. And, and, and look, like what, what was fascinating, David, was there were two guys that popped up on the injury report a week ago Thursday. One of them played, Jalen Johnson. The other one didn't, Tevin Jenkins, right? And it's like, well, wait a second, coach. If, I, if I'm going out there and I'm gotten through my injury and I'm still going to get called out, you know, for not making the plays that you expect me to make, you know, would you prefer me to sit? Right. Like, and we were going to get into this on the radio the other day and then my, uh, my, my feed cut out, but you know, like, like, Jalen making that decision is it's a, it's a leadership move. Right. And you're just hopeful that this organization doesn't kind of push you in a direction, especially for three and seven team, right? You know, as well as I do that, this is where business decisions come into play, right? Where guys say, well, what am I laying it all on the line for? Why am I battling through this oblique injury, this hip injury, this calf problem when we're three and seven and, and nobody seem nobody here seems to care about what the results of the games are like, what, what's, what's the point of it. And so if you're going to build a championship culture, you, you need to make sure that, that you, you know, you approve and you appreciate guys that are gutting it out for you at times when they could, easily put up the yellow light or the red light and say, coach, I don't think I can do it today. And coming off the heels of the Roquan Smith situation, I do think that moving forward, you identify Jalen Johnson as one of the kind of core players you would like to extend and build around. The the Bears certainly have the money to do that in the offseason if they want to get ahead of the game. I will I will be fascinated to where this goes and wonder if these kinds of things, which tend to be they got in the way with Roquan Smith, I, I contend that that trade was made as much for personal reasons as they were for football reasons. The personal reasons interfered, and I don't want it to get to that case or that point with Jalen Johnson because of uh, he, he's a winning player, and you want to retain guys like that. And so I don't think it will get to that point, Dan. But these are little hints along the way you want to you can't ignore. No, you got to keep you got to keep tabs on it, just as you have to keep tabs on Jalen's ability to to meet his professional responsibilities, right? Okay. And I know you had yeah. a lot. To, yeah, I know you had a lot to talk about. I'll give you a little bit of a, a context, just for for those who don't really understand post game of a of an NFL game, right? Like, so there's a lot going on at once. Like both locker rooms of players are open at the same time. There's two separate places to go talk to one team versus the other team the, the, you know the bears locker room at soldier field is you know 200 yards away from where the the press conferences are held which usually is maddie berflus and and justin fields or the head coach and the starting quarterback and so there's a lot going on at once and so the maddie berflus press conference had already started there was half the media core was down there right like tending to that business and jalen johnson was was still getting dressed and, and cleaned up after the game and and through a spokesman had told uh, folks that he wasn't going to talk after the game on Sunday because he just wasn't feeling up to it. His promise was, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll do so 
on Monday, right? Like just get me on Monday. Well, so, okay. You know, for a player like Jalen, who's been really good with the media for the entirety of his three years here, you say, okay, no problem. No problem. Just get us tomorrow. Right. Like come Monday, the podium. Well then Monday, we thought we were going to be talking to Jalen Johnson at the podium. And then all of a sudden Jack Sanborn popped up out of the Jack in a box here. That is, is Hallis hall. And to add to that, cause I know you have thoughts on this two hours later, Jalen does his first, media availability with the score with with uh i guess it was matt spiegel and anthony heron uh, on monday evening and so now all of a sudden you have a, a little bit i wouldn't call it a controversy but it's just a, it's just a, a storyline right i guess i would you call it a, a something in between a storyline or a controversy well everything with the bears is, is a potential storyline and i think everything gets a little magnified but certainly it was a it was a decision that you had to look at because of what he said once on the radio when he 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 didn't uh, previously shed light on what happened to him injury-wise, what it went into the decision for him not to play those 10 plays or to go back onto the field when he did, what happened on the 44-yard pass. Oh, by the way, that penalty that he was called for that that changed the game and negated a, an interception, what happened there? And what was it about that Lions coach that was lobbying the referee that was newsworthy? So – I do think it's relevant because of those things I just mentioned. My question would be, let's start with, as a beat writer, somebody who covers uh, the Bears, your job is for the Chicago Tribune. How did it make you feel that he waited until 5 o'clock on Monday to address those important newsworthy things? Well, look, it's, it, it, it's case by case, right? And, and, and as a player, you build up equity by you know, how, how, how you are on a regular basis, right? And Jalen is built up that equity, right? I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a little perspective on this. When 2020 rolled around and there was no availability inside buildings in the NFL, everything was done over Zoom, right? And so for us, when you're, when you're covering a, an NFL beat from your home office, right, which was the most uncomfortable experience ever, you have to have guys on the other end of those Zoom calls that are engaged. Jalen Johnson's a rookie in 2020. And every Tuesday, he was the guy that was showing up on the Zoom call, right? Like, and it got to the point where Colleen Kane and I, my colleague at the Tribune, said, "You know, Jalen has been so good that we want the Bears to not bring him every Tuesday because we don't want want them to to burn him out because he's so engaged and he's so honest and he's so uh, okay with the back and forth of the process, right? So he builds up that equity." 2021, Jalen was my personal vote for the Jeff Dickerson Good Guy Award uh, because I thought he was that good in terms of being available, being honest, being uh, you know capable of, of doing the back and forth in, in a process. So I, I, I bring that up because there is equity. So if a guy one time after a game says, man, not today, like I just like I just don't want to say something I'm going to regret. Uh, you know, it, it's just I'm, I'm just not there today. You give you give certain guys a, a pass. Right. I'll give you an example. 20, 2019 in Philly. Bears had an awful loss against the Eagles. It was in the middle of that 2019 season going down the drain. And I remember going up to Eddie Jackson in the locker room and said, Eddie, you got a minute? And he goes, nah, man. And I said, why not? And Eddie, Eddie blew up on me, lit me up. He said, why not? Because I don't feel like it today because I'm pissed, you know, and, and, and when in it's all rains, like I've been good, you know, for four years or three years now, like just give me this one, give me this one. I said, cool. Like, 
you got this one. I, I appreciate that, right? Like we we have enough of a relationship to have that back and forth. Jalen's on that level to me now where, where, where you can give him a pass once. It just can't become a trend, right? And it can't become something that sets a tone for others. I know a lot of people in our audience are going to roll their eyes and say, oh, you media people think you're so entitled and that's not their job. But there is a, a human element to this whole waltz that we do up here on the beat that's notable and it's interesting to track. Well, it's not about entitlement. It's about accountability. And it, it just is part of the uh, media role to kind of not to enforce it as much as chronicle it. So these are all interesting examples. We've all had these kinds of experiences. Well, and to your uh, point, like there was a lot of notable things for Jalen on Sunday, right? right. It, he wasn't just right. a bit player. He was he played a leading role in that in that Lions game. And and I think that's why people had the reaction who cover the the beat for a living uh, the way they reacted. And I don't think it probably went over very well among members of the Bears beat. And this is a conversation that I had on the radio. Um, on the Mullen Haw show. And then I appeared later on the afternoon show talking yeah. about this. I've been on both sides. I, I've been the beat writer back when I was a beat writer for the bears and have been in those situations from a newspaper's perspective where you weren't able to get what you expected because of some designated media commitment or chosen media outlet. Brian Urlacher is the first most famous example that comes to mind, lived through that, the foxsports.com, all those kinds of things. I've also been on the other side of it where I've hosted a radio show where Tom Ricketts, for example, wouldn't, I mean, everybody wanted to hear what he had to say. I forget the example, but there's been several and he would come on the Mullane Haas show because he felt comfortable with the tone of questions, even though they might be negative, he knew that they would be fair. Um, so I got both sides of that. The one thing I think people do need to understand is they roll their eyes and they get, they look at the media talking about this is that, you know, the relationship between, say, the beat writers and the players they cover and radio hosts and the guests that they have, you know, they're subjects to people who you cover. They're mm-hmm. guests to on your radio show. And the relationship, the rapport, if you will, between – correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, if you're on a beat, I always viewed it as – you want a rapport, but you're not really developing a friendly relationship. I don't want to be friends with Jalen Johnson or Brian Urlacher or whoever the case. The, the relationship is transactional. You want a rapport because you're getting information. Whereas when you're a, a radio host and you're having them on the radio, it's more about entertainment than it is information or as much. You have to try to find that balance. Yeah. But you do have a different approach, and it might be less threatening to a guy like Jalen Johnson to come on the show, a show that is is a segment that is all his. The last time he was on that show, the host was wearing a feather boa. <laughs> so he's not looking at it as he's going to get grilled. I'm just being real. I'm not being critical of anybody. I just know that's the environment that he knew he was going into. And that's why I think it had to have influenced his decision-making process here. And, and I get it. So it's not something that with Jalen Johnson specifically – you're going to hold against him because he has been very good as a professional. He's yeah. been responsible. But and I expect I him to be going forward too. Yeah. I would say this. I don't like the word transactional. It, it, it kind of, it kind of sits wrong with me because I think there is a, a level and you know this as well as anyone there's, there's a level of relationship building that's important and, and stamping it with a transactional label. It just feels like, 
cold, right? It, it just doesn't feel like it's a human to human thing. And that that's part of what's here. And one of the things Jalen said on the radio show on Monday, um, I actually sat down with him for just a couple minutes for an aside chat today in the locker room, just to talk about this a little bit, just to understand where he's coming from a little bit. But he said on, on the radio on Monday with, with uh, Spiegel and Aunt Heron that, that look like he wants people to see him as a human. And I said, I said to him today, I said, Jalen, like one of the best ways uh, to create that is, is for us to, you know, to, to be able to, to connect, right? Like, and, and if, if we can't talk to you in the locker room and we can't talk to you after games and that connection won't be there. And then it becomes harder to, to have that, like, Oh, this is a human being. This is a person that, that you know, like that, that I deal with on a regular basis. And, and, and so there's that element to it. Jalen also said, look, like part of his resistance after the game was he felt like he was in a, in a space where he just needed to step back away from the cameras. And he said, it's not even about, about y'all. It's, it's just knowing the, the landscape we live in, in 2022, that you could say something in the heat of the moment that then gets cherry picked by someone that wasn't there and then turns into a whole other issue. And one of Jalen's strengths for our perspective is that he is very honest and he is a, a real talk guy. And he's a guy that, that gives it to you straight. Uh, and so you don't want to take that away from him. Right. And, 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 and so you get it. Like you, you can have a pass here or there. You can't have a pass regularly. Um, and then like, look, like there's the other point of this, David, is we're in a market here that can be very uncomfortable now that we're back in this climate, right? Like Jalen Johnson's first two years, like I told you, year one rookie, everything he did with the media was over Zoom. Year two, it was mostly over Zoom, right? We didn't, we weren't, or not over Zoom, but in the, in the podium setting, right? Like where you have space. Now that we're back in an open locker room setting, you know what it's like here. 14 cameras will come to your locker. There'll be a swarm. Even Wednesday, when Jalen was talking to the media, he was getting hit in the face by TV microphones. And what he said to me today is like, look, like that does not respect me as anything more than a piece, right? Like in, in what you're trying to get on a daily basis. Like I'm a person, like when your microphones are hitting me in the face, it's off-putting, right? And so it, it makes me less uh, basically wanting to do these kind of things. And so it's, there's just a lot, there's a lot here. And I know we've talked about this for probably too long, but I will say that Jalen's a fascinating guy to have this conversation about because he isn't a guy who is evasive. He isn't a guy who's resentful of the back and forth. And so, so when he finds the need to take a step back, it's noteworthy. And then you just got to kind of, kind of sift through it and see where it goes. And I'll, I'll just say that from my conversation with him today on Thursday afternoon here in the locker room, I, I don't expect this to be a recurring thing with him and, and, and that people are still going to, going to love who this guy is as a football player and as a leader and a personality on this team. Good stuff. That, that was a discussion worth having, and I think it is time to probably move on. So, Dan, also at Hallis Hall on Thursday, Luke Getze spoke about how the approach to this offense with Justin Fields, his emergence, and how the next step involves maybe, oh, I don't know, winning a game and the value <laughs> of winning a game and how it does build belief and confidence. How would you describe uh, what Getzi said today and what kinds of things stood out to you? Look, I, I, Andrew Dinoco also spoke Thursday afternoon uh, about what the value of this offense and this quarterback experiencing a winning moment would be right. And just the, the kind of confidence snowball that can start from that. We understand where the bears have gone offensively in the last month and how encouraging and promising it is. There is a piece of this that is, that, that requires winning and it requires winning against teams that you can and should beat in moments that are in your control. Right. And so when the bears fail as they did on Sunday to capitalize on a, a, a one point deficit with the ball and two timeouts and, and you know, <laughs> everything in, in, your control to go win that game and you fail it's 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 a missed opportunity is it 
something that derails the long-term future of this organization? Nope. I don't think you've ever said that. I don't think I've ever said that. I don't think any of us ever got to the point where we were saying he can't win now. So he isn't going to win ever. Right. We've been accused of that. Right. And, and it's like, well, that's, that's misinterpreting or mishearing everything we're saying. It's just a missed opportunity. And so along those lines, Andrew Janoko said, look, like we need to hit one of these moments to get that experience, to get that success, to get that confidence that rolls with it. And as you mentioned, Luke Getzi also talked about it. And, and I think we have that sound sound quality uh, or that that sound clip of, of Luke just talking about what it would be like for this team and this quarterback to experience a winning moment when it's there for them. I mean, that's confidence, right? Anytime you have some success, you build confidence. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's important. One, you want to win, right? It makes It feels better to win for sure. So that's important. And then the second part is just, yeah, you get you, it gets confidence in everybody. They're believing in themselves, believing they can do it. And and they know they can. I mean, they've done it, they've, they've done it all year. We've Most of the time, we've done a really good job. Like I said, what was Washington? We go all the way down. We, we just don't. We just don't punch it in. So we're we're getting better. We we're on the right track, and we just got to make sure we execute better and not, not have those mental errors there at the end. Okay, so that was Luke Getzey talking about the value of winning, and, and I do think that yeah, our uh, our interpretation of how important winning has been somewhat uh, overstated, misrepresented. It's been caricatured for sure. Yeah, it completely has. It, and it's just kind of beside the point because I don't like when people react to the coverage of the coverage. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't want to get down, down that road because I think it's, it's kind of, uh, irrelevant anyway. But, but when you talk about Getsy and you talk about, um, just the, the overall growth of Justin Fields in this offense. And I think that, that he mentioned confidence and, and it's easy to see the connection between, Justin Fields' confidence level and his execution level. So I don't think that it's a it's a reach to extend that to once they have, you know, a win here or there, it's going to just be even more evidence and proof and the growth will just continue because that is the next step. And let's face it, the passing game is part of that evolution. And when you have 13 yards passing in the fourth quarter, as we have pointed out, yep. that is not that is less than ideal. And that is not the way that you can win close games anywhere, anytime. And that's an offense situation, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just be very clear again. It's an offense situation. That's receivers, it's tight ends, it's offensive line, it's quarterback. We're not, nobody has ever said we're blaming Justin Fields for these last two losses. We're just saying it would be really nice for him to take his offense down the field and win a game, right? Especially when it's there to be won. And so, th so that, that, that will come at some point. There will be a game. Every quarterback who starts for a long time in this league experiences it. And then it's does one become two, become three, become 12, right? And can you get that going in that direction? And that's, that's what we're curious to see because ultimately, if your long range goal is to win championships, you need an offense and a quarterback that can step up to those crunch time moments and hit them right and hit them out of the park more often than not. And, and so it'll be uh, it'll be really fun to, to kind of to see that evolution and see where they go from here. So Justin Fields talked this week about having heavy legs and the physical toll that the season has taken on him. I worry, I guess on the radio, I mentioned this on the Mullen Haw show, um, the mental toll as well is something you have to keep an eye on. That didn't stop him, the, the physical toll or mental toll, from staying late with Chase Claypool after practice to work on chemistry, to work on timing, because, Dan, we've got to see Chase Claypool more <laughs> than we did 
uh, against the Lions. I think everybody recognizes that. Everybody realizes that. What did Luke Getze have to say about that? Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll put those words in his mouth here in a second. But I, I just asked him directly. I said, listen, Luke, there's a, a lot of outside curiosity right now about the timeline for Chase's emergence. There's probably a little bit of uh, impatience uh, of people wanting to know, you know, look, we gave up a second round pick to go get this playmaking toy for Justin Fields in this offense to use. When is it going to be kind of turned loose to, to its full degree? And, and, and Luke, uh, you know, he handled it really well and, and provided a, a contextual answer that's that's worth listening to. Yeah, so that's that's probably a more difficult question. I think that's, I mean, I mean, if you watch, you're watching us play, right, and you kind of see how the thing kind of flows, and uh, there's a lot of moving parts, and we, we include a lot of people in what we do, and so uh, I think it's just it's not as simple as like if you're you're watching some teams like um, let's I'll just use my my past history of like you know in 2014 we lined up in two by two or three by one and you lined up Devontae, Jordy and Randall and Aaron's your quarterback and that's it like that was like so if someone popped in that offense it would probably be a little easier because you just plug in place where we just have a lot more moving parts as far as specifically one guy with what the way we're going right now uh, to to isolate maybe is the best word uh so he's he's having to learn a lot and he's i mean he's done a tremendous job i mean to pick up as much as he's done in two weeks is pretty impressive so i think i think the opportunities will just continue to grow i think his role continues to grow and uh we're 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 on the right track i feel like with luke getsy talking about chase claypool and and what to expect uh, sunday against the falcons and moving forward dan i feel like about this the way you feel about Jalen Johnson. It was it was one it was one game. It was one Sunday. I don't feel any differently about Chase Claypool today than I did the day after they traded for him. I think it takes some time yeah. to incorporate and to learn. So I'm not worried about this situation. Listen, we talked about it the day the trade was made, that this is, you know, a, a November trade for a wide receiver. Most wide receivers join their new teams with time in the spring and summer and training camp in the preseason to get their arms around a playbook, to get their under arms around responsibilities, to get timing with a quarterback. Chase Claypool has none of these things, you know, in week 11 of this season. And so it's going to take time and, and, and the immediate dividends aren't going to be seen anyone that was expecting that had unrealistic expectations and so i do appreciate that grounded perspective from getsy we, we do know that there's going to be opportunities in this offense for him to shine and and hopefully uh, there'll be a few moments where where you give him a chance like the, the first game he played right like to go down the field and and, and try to win a 50 50 ball and either draw a pass interference call or draw a pass interference call that's not uh, called <laughs> <laughs> exactly speaking of wide receivers valus jones came up today or thursday at house Hall and special teams coach Richard Hightower talked about Valus Jones getting back into the mix potentially and what he needs to do to do that. With someone like Valus, just in your career when you have a young player, they just want to get kind of over a hurdle, whatever it is. Is there any replacement for game reps? Like, I mean, you can maybe see he's gotten to a point in practice, but can you really ever know until he gets that chance in the game to show you that he's figured it out? You know what? That's an outstanding question. And I, I don't really know if you can. I mean, that's what the preseason is really for, for those young guys. But if you guys remember, Valus only played in one preseason game. So what happens when that happens? Not his fault. Like, he should, you know, he, he, he wanted to play. He couldn't play, you know. He wasn't healthy. So what happens? He missed two preseason games. And what happens in the season? He has his two preseason games play out during the regular season. And what happens if that happens in the preseason? I don't count. He'll be all right. But if it happens in the regular season, when the game's on the line, 
then it then it matters more, right? So that's unfortunate for him, but that's what you saw play out. He never got his two preseason games. And what? As a pro, he needs to make it happen in the regular season. We can't make an excuse for the preseason, right? <laughs> but that's what happened, guys. So it's, it's real easy. Now, when if he ever gets a chance again, we'll see what happens, right? Because his preseason is over now. <laughs> Dan, I have a lot of respect for Richard Hightower. It sounded a little bit like excuse-making to me. The the phrase at the end there, if he ever gets a chance again, well, man, if there's ever an opportunity to give him a chance again, he's, he's got an opportunity to return kicks with Khalil Herbert on injured reserve Sunday in Atlanta. And, and you just feel from a coaching staff that doesn't take a lot of um, – doesn't offer a lot of public criticism of their guys. Valus Jones over the last three weeks has been a, a bit of a subtle dartboard um, for, for coaches basically conveying that they don't trust him, right? Like they don't, they don't, they don't believe he can catch punts. They don't believe they, that he can help them on special teams. Uh, they don't, you know, sense that he's, he's ready from a knowledge standpoint to understand all the formations and the shifts and the alignments and, and, and the route options that are within this offense. And so now he's a healthy scratch for two consecutive weeks. And it's important, David, because this isn't just a, a day to pick. It's the first receiver that you took in the draft, right? In a year where you knew you needed receiver help and the bears opted to go with defensive backs in round two and, and Gordon and Brisker in April and, and, and address their receiving needs later. But when that guy then becomes a total non-factor in the development of your quarterback and your offense, it's problematic because now it leaves you more holes to fill in the 2023 offseason that you probably shouldn't have to fill if you were able to do that in this cycle. I agree. That's why this is a seven-game audition for guys who want to leave a mark and make an impression. Bayless Jones, to me, falls in that category. Also, the opportunity for 10 additional touches that were Khalil Herbert's. What do you do with Bayless Jones? Gadget guy could be somebody who benefits from that by getting a couple extra touches, jet sweeps, line up in the backfield, use him the way they do Debo Samuel. I don't care, but I think he's a weapon if he has that kind of speed and you pair that with Justin Fields, there's some dangerous possibilities. But Dan, do I do we attribute all this lost opportunity and, and squandered potential on the fact that he had a hamstring injury in preseason? That's what I heard when I heard the special teams co- coach talking about not having that time to develop him. Yeah, no, I don't attribute it all to it. I think it's certainly a piece of the puzzle, right? And you, and you understand what kind of that experience can do to get a guy going. But there's more going on here in terms of his his mastery of what they want him to do. And then obviously you just have the two high-profile muffed punts and then a, a dropped deep ball in Dallas that that prevent you from, from earning confidence, right? And earning confidence and trust from your quarterback, from your coaches, from your head coaches, your assistant coaches, everyone involved. This is not where you want to be with Valus Jones, even though it's 11 weeks into his rookie season, you can talk all about his maturity and his ability to handle uh, adversity and all those other things. He, what he needs to be able to do is handle the football right? <laughs> and be able to help right. you in those ways. And if he's not, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a, again, it's a small subplot, but the more you add up the small subplots to see how far away they are from having a roster that is of championship quality, you say, man, this, you know, again, we go back to our first segment. You don't want this Justin Fields highlight reel to be accompanied by a bunch of seasons that are like, ah, well, it just didn't, it just didn't hit this year. We'll figure it out next year. All right. Let's bring in our ace producer, Adam Stadzinski, so we can make our predictions this week. Bears and Falcons Sunday in Georgia. 
I think the Falcons are favored by at least three, depending on what time you uh, made the bet and what, what uh, <laughs> where you made it. But um, I think we can safely say the Bears are heading into Georgia. Underdogs, what do you think, studs? Oh, man, this one was tough. Tough. <laughs> I landed on the Bears because I'm basically picking with my heart on this one. And uh, But I just – it's uh, we're at the point where I have trouble predicting the games because – Every game for the last three weeks has been the same game, and the Bears end up on the short end of it because because of the basically the same reasons. I just also think that the Falcons, you watch their games, and they kind of are just almost it, – it's like they're begging you to take the ball away from them at times. And so I, I feel like the Bears are just due to finally get some turnovers and not look terrible on defense, but they probably still will. I got them winning – I got them 27 to 20, Bears winning, and – you know, hopefully, I I think the offense is definitely still going to move the ball because the Falcons' defense, especially their secondary, is, is largely terrible. So we could probably get a similar game to the, to the way we did last week. I think the Bears end up on the winning end this time, though. I think you're right about the style of game. I think both teams are going to move the football. The Falcons have some weapons. Kyle Pitts, goodness sakes. And they have Drake London. They have, you know, Mariota can get hot. You just don't know. They can move the ball, and this Bears defense is going to struggle to stop it. I also think the Bears are going to score some points. I think the offense continues against a, a Falcon defense that isn't great. Um, but I, I just don't know. I don't have confidence in the defense to stop anybody or to create takeaways. Jack Sanborn aside, <laughs> the jackhammer, I don't know how it's going to work indoors. But um, I think that Falcons 34, Bears 29. Okay. Ooh. Uh, so fast track down there in Atlanta gives Justin Fields a little bit more chance to show off his speed. I've got Bears 30, Falcons 27. Guys, I think the Falcons are the definition of the 2022 NFL. It's just a team that you watch them at any length and you go, what is this? This is like so mediocre. It's like, it's not entertaining. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just like, this is, this is what 65 to 70% of the league is now. It's just these teams where you go, eh, you know, I don't know if they're good. I don't know if they stink. They're just kind of there. And now your bears get to play them. And it's it's just, it's a weird one for me because I I don't know which direction it's going to go. Every time you want to think that this bears offense is going to propel them to some sort of statement victory you remind yourself again like you did they have no playmakers on defense making plays right now and it's a problem they have no pass rush all these other things that go into it david i will tell you my nine-year-old son is a very frustrated kyle pitts fantasy football owner would take exception with the idea that he's a weapon because the falcons aren't using him in a way that is making my son happy on thursdays sundays and mondays and so i'll get a first-hand look to give him a scouting report on what's going on there nine-year-old fantasy football owner they're, they're, they they got a fourth grade league over there at the school. Okay. Uh, it's 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 a pretty good one. It's it's been pretty competitive, but it's been pretty entertaining to watch. Uh, my wife is like, my God, all he does is talk to me about fantasy football. I said, buckle on, it's going to be thirty years of this. So next week on the parenting <laughs> pod, um, 